Hey, Soraya. Hey, Jeff. Episode 114. <laughs> what do you think about that? 115. Is it 115 now? Yes, sir. Oh, my gosh. I'm losing track. See? You need I was, help. <laughs> I was such a young guy when we first started this. <laughs> now I'm so old. <laughs> Back in the day, I'm not a kid. I'm not young anymore. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. I wanted to tell you, um, I've been sharing this uh, with you, but um, I've been or watching a podcast, um, kind of cheating on you by by watching something other than us. But, it's uh, okay. And you know what? You're right. 114. Is it 114? <laughs> okay, who's the old one? Me! I'm way older. <laughs> All right. So yeah, I've been watching this podcast called the Metal Priestesses Podcast. And one of the hosts on there is our guest today, and it's Genevieve Shore or Jenny Shore. Mm -hmm. And she's been uh she has a lot of projects. So um I wanted to see if we can get her on the other side of the microphone, answering questions rather than asking questions and uh um tell have her tell us some stories about some things that we'll be interested in, but let's hold off on that until we have her on. I think that's great. Let's get started. Let's do it. Hi, this is Soraya. And this is Jeff. Our podcast is called Paisley Stage Raspberry and Rhyme. A podcast where the two of us play music that we like and share anecdotes and background about the tunes. We hope you'll join our conversation. And without further ado, agroviar. Let's get groovy. All right, Soraya. Time to let Jenny in. Hello there. Hey, Hi. how Wait, are you, Jenny? You can't see me yet. Hang on. <laughs> Hang on. There you are. Yeah. Oh, oh, I got the metal priestesses. Let me take that off. No, leave no, it. Leave it. Leave it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> are you kidding? This is this is pure promo. Leave it. <laughs> Fabulous. Okay. All right. How are you doing, Jenny? Good. How are you? I'm great. I'm super excited to have you on because. Uh, I was telling Soraya that I'm used to seeing you ask the question. So this is going to be exciting to see you answer the question on <laughs> I know, the other side so of the microphone. <laughs> it's so much more relaxing too. <laughs> <laughs> Even better. I've learned a little bit about you by watching your podcast, the Metal Priestesses podcast, but we wanted to do a little bit more digging and find out a little bit more. And today we wanted to talk to you so our listeners can know a little bit about your store, Straight Jacket, that yes, that you had in the seventies. Um, your band, Backstage Pass. We we definitely wanted to talk about the Metal Priestesses podcast, and you have an offspring that's a, a musician. So we definitely want to address that a little bit. Okay. But the thing that we felt that was uh, the most pertinent to our podcast, and we mostly focus on the Paisley Underground Band, so the Three O'clock Rain Parade. Dream Syndicate and the Bengals. And um, yes. one thing that I've learned about you is I knew that you were a fashion stylist, but I didn't know up until recently that you worked with the Bengals quite extensively and, and yes. developed their look. And we wanted to start off learning a little bit about that. Okay. So um, I did the Bengals in a lot of different ways, but I, um, I've known them since the Bangs. And um, so uh, we made uh, clothes for them 
Susanna, we made her a really interesting dress, which was like a cutout sort of Rudy Gernreich style dress in the early days. And then also, I think on the first EP, uh, the person I had the store with, who was uh, married to Jake Riviera at the time, Tony Riviera, she uh, did, uh, is it called Getting Out of Hand? Yes. Okay. Okay. She did the graphics for that. Then I believe Debbie is wearing a straight jacket dress, which was just a vintage dress. I think it's all kind of different kinds of stripes and mm -hmm. yeah, 60s kind of dress. So she bought that at straight jacket. And then uh, we did custom clothes for them. Uh, uh, one thing I think Susanna really loved was this copper flirt skirt. I guess you couldn't just buy these flirt skirt just anywhere, right? And uh, she paired that a lot with like a white uh, bustier and wore that a lot uh, during, uh, I think it was uh, Manic Monday and Walk Like an Egyptian, some of those, some of those televised things. And then when they started, uh, kind of making a bit of money, they took me on tour. Ooh. And I went on tour with them in 1987. We went to uh, Europe and uh, that was really fun. Uh, we were in England for uh, when they won, um, what's that British award that's kind of like a Grammy? The, uh, oh shoot. The BMI, BMI. Award. Oh, yeah. Okay. And uh, I remember Ray Davies was there and he was like, uh, I really like your band. And I was like, <laughs> I was kind of like the fifth bangle. I think he thought I was dead uh -huh. or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And um, so we, we were in England. Uh, it was basically a television tour for uh, if she knew what, if she knew what she wants what she wants, yeah, thank you. Yeah. And um, so we went to, I think, Switzerland. I remember going with the Bangles to see uh, Paul Simon uh, when he did, uh, what was that uh, tour, uh, Graceland. Oh, yeah. I remember going with them to that. That was wow. amazing. And uh, we were in San Remo in Italy and uh, Simon Le Bon, 
he used to call me jelly. He rescued me from this, the crowd there. But uh, yeah, so they were there at the same time and we did the San Remo festival and it was crazy, crazy. And I, I just remember, I was talking to Suzanne about this. There was like, we were driving in this crazy limo and this guy was drunk and she remembers the name of the driver, but uh, we're driving in this crazy, he was drunk and listening to the Rolling Stones. I thought we were gonna die. It was crazy. Oh my God. And then uh, we were in France and uh, Prince was there at the same time. And I think Mickey had a code word for him and it was Clint. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it, and there were, we were in a limo and they, he was in a limo and it looked like we were following him, but I think he was following us. Uh, but I just remember going to the Picasso Museum and he like jumped out of the limo with his big giant like uh, platform shoes. And, and that was it for like five minutes. Wow. <laughs> so um, I had some really fun times with them. I had some really fun times. And then we did a whole tour of the United States and, and it, was, it was pretty intense. I mean... It was pretty intense. I think that was like sort of the height of when they were under a lot of pressure. Yeah. So, you know, I find this, this is, first of all, a really interesting connection with the Bengals, but I wanted to ask, what are the challenges of styling for a band that's, you know, starting to gather much more attention? Like I can imagine San Remo, I can imagine being in France and kind of all, and then coming back to the U.S. and just, you know, the, but, that was a lot. Yeah, it was interesting because before I went out on tour with the Bangles, uh, I lived and worked for Linda Ronstadt and she was 11 years older. So with her, it was, first of all, I was only really doing her. Okay. Well, I also did this combo because she was doing uh, Nelson Riddle. And then just before that, oh. came closer tour and some other television things and it was so much easier just to and and if she liked it whatever I put on her that was the end of the story you know if she liked it mm -hmm. and then because she was older she always treated me to everything because she was in her 30s and I was in my early 20s I was my kids age you know mm -hmm. And so it was a different experience, but yet it was a little bit more sedate. And with the bangles, it was a little bit more fun because in, in a lot of ways, because I was their age. Um, however, uh, there was a little, you know, they had a lot of pressure on them and having to please like each one was a huge, challenge for me. And I, I just kind of tried to keep it in, you know, for the most part, but they were all, you know, I just felt pulled in, in different directions, but um, I loved working for them. Don't get me wrong, but uh, uh, each band has its own set of dynamics. You know? So like, right. We worked with the psychedelic furs, you know, and that was like a lot of fun. I think, I think each band, you know, I was much more involved with the Bengals. So, um, and 
so it made it a bit different. Yeah. I was curious, uh, you were talking about the pressure with pleasing each one of them. So can you talk a little bit about, did each one of each member of the Bengals have a unique style that yes. you had to work with? Can you talk yeah. about each one of those? Well, Vicki really wanted to be, um, she was really into, they were all into 60s kind of feel, but Vicki was really like, uh, I felt, uh, went to the beat of her own drummer, so to speak, you know, she was, we did one outfit for her. I remember making her these big, huge uh, bell bottoms, you know, and uh, uh, I think she, she was really into maybe not what looked like the most slick, but what made her feel like she was uh, putting out the vibe that she wanted to put out. Okay. They all had a sort of yeah, different again idea, and um, yeah, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I I don't know how to explain it, but they they all each. You know, Mickey was really easy because she had a lot of clothes already. And then she, I would come over and she would say, does this look okay? Does this look okay? And I'm like, yeah, that looks, looks, looks great. So she wore a lot of like really short skirts and she had, a, or she wore, I don't know, um, some long jackets. I, I, she, everyone had their own little bit of style. I think, I think uh, Debbie was somebody that I kind of, helped more than others you know the the video that that this that what i did their clothes for uh hazy shade of winter that i felt like that was like a really great look where i felt like they were all really pulled together I think that was like one of the things I was happiest with, you know, we also worked on a uh, different light. You really can't see much clothing, but, but we all, uh, I worked on that with Tony. So uh, the cover shoot. Yeah. Which, oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, it was, it, yeah, it had its own set of fun and its own set of challenges, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I knew Sue also, uh, you know, uh, she was just on a, a podcast with us, with Linda Ronstadt, and Linda was her idol, and that's how she learned to sing, was from listening to Linda. And then also, uh, she was friends with Linda's niece, Erin, who was married to Michael Gilmore at one point. And her and Sue worked together at uh, her uh, uncle's some kind of, I think it was a jewelry factory or something, Carmi mm -hmm. Simon. And he, he had known, he had worked with a lot of friends of Linda, like Carla Bonoff and that kind of thing. So I, I re, uh, Sue played uh, Linda, the, the first EP, and she talks about that on our podcast. And um, I was also reminding her, do you remember when you had, uh, I've got a crush on you on your, on, remember when you had uh, uh, answering machines? Oh, how funny. It was like, God, I forgot about that. And she was saying she had James Taylor, Oh, Susanna on it when she was breaking up with somebody or, That's yeah, funny. it was just really funny. So that episode was really fun to watch, Jenny. I remember um, or listening to it and thinking um, that it was so cool to hear Susanna Hoff's fangirl over Linda Ronstadt, right? Because yeah. we're, we're fans of the Bengals. And, yeah. And um, I felt like that the one time that I met Sue, like a total fanboy, and I had her sign and stuff. <laughs> But it was interesting to hear her on your episode fangirling over Linda Ronstadt. So um, yeah. I appreciate that episode that you had. And you having worked with both of them, uh, it was neat because you had that relationship with both of them. But hearing- Sort of like an intimate like girl chat oh, yeah. and yeah. fly on the wall kind of moments. And, you know, I had just had a reunion with Linda like before COVID hit and- we like talked for like four hours. It was incredible. It was, I guess, not this past summer, but the summer before. And I'm just hoping that eventually I could go visit her. And uh, Sue came with me to see Linda's documentary. So that was really incredible. And they sat us in the back row, which I was like, what? And, but it was perfect because Sue sang harmony the entire time oh. during the whole movie. Wow. <laughs> I love that. So it was so much fun. And, um, you know, I've, um, you know, I used to be a songwriter. All, well, I not used to be, I still am, but the Bengals were almost going to do a song of mine. Really? Yeah. What was the title? Tell us. What's a girl to do? See, can you already hear it, Jeff? Yeah. Can you already hear it? I have, and I even have like a demo of, of them, but I used to have one with Sue doing a scratch vocal and I don't have that anymore. I just have the instrumental. Oh, yeah. wow. Fabulous. So you actually presented yeah. it to the band? It was on hold, yeah. Wow. But, you know, back then it was such a crazy time. And I, you know, I lived with Kathy Valentine from the Go-Go's. The Go-Go's asked me to be in the band before Kathy Valentine which I think I'm glad they chose Kathy, much better choice, but I didn't know how to play bass. I've been playing guitar since I was eight, but um, there was so much pressure and 
I think they learned that the publishing was what made you the money, you know? And so that was always a thing. Yeah, it was frustrating for me at the time. <laughs> yeah. So did when you wrote What's a Girl to Do? I'm laughing because I wrote a song called What's a Boy to Do? So I'm just- And then Red Cross did something similar. <laughs> Not to put down Red Cross anyway, yeah. but I was wondering if they if they heard my track. That's hilarious. I think they must have. But <laughs> so did you write okay. the, did did you write What's a Girl to Do specifically for the Bangles, or it was just one of your songs? No, and... I was actually wrote it with Dwayne Jarvis when I was uh, I met him and we were sort of falling in love and. It's a bit of a scary tale. Do you know who Dwayne is? No, the name sounds familiar. He, he died, but he was a guitar player with Lucinda Williams. And oh, okay. That's why the Divinal. Me. He went on tour with the Divinals when we were together. Anyway, he was married. We were falling in love, and we wrote that song together. Oh, wow. Yeah. So did they actually work up a version of it? So Yeah. I have I I don't have the scratch vocal with Sue, but I have the instrumental of it. Wow. Yeah, I found it recently. So what era would have that been? Like something that would have come out on All Over the Place or Different Light? Do you know? No, not Different Light. It was after Different Light. Oh, after that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So everything era probably. There. I think the next record. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Wow. Could, and if you owned the publishing on that, can you only can you imagine like what what would have happened if they released I it? Know. And if it became a hit, right? If it was if it I was know. the next Walk Like an Egyptian. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so personality wise, you, you spent so much time with them on the road. That could be difficult spending that much time with anybody. Yeah. How, how did that work out? Did you get along with each of them or? I you know, um, uh, I think um, I was, uh, I really liked all of them, you know, um, but I think, uh, I remember Vicky had, saying to me that was the time when they had the most pressure, uh, you know, beyond the road is really tough, you know, and women on the road, it's very different. It's we're not, it's not like you have groupies or you're throwing televisions out the window or it's just <laughs> very different, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, it was fun. Actually, Dwayne came on tour with us and we were like Egyptians behind a screen. <laughs> Every time they did that song on stage, that was really fun. We put on these wigs. <laughs> so you were actually like a silhouette? Like yeah. <laughs> for um, Walk Like an Egyptian? Yeah. Ah, oh, you're one of you're part of, you're one of the dancers. Yeah. <laughs> How fun.
Then I was in the sound check band. We used to play like the lemon song. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, it was really fun. So would you be playing Vicky's guitar or? I don't know, but yeah, I think I got in trouble a couple times. <laughs> Whatever I was doing, <laughs> I was always getting in trouble. Jenny getting in trouble? Yeah, always. <laughs> so, Ryan, did you have any more questions about hanging with the Bengals before? No, um, I think one of the things as I as I'm listening to you talk, Jenny, is I keep thinking back, and I think I know exactly what cutout dress you're talking about. And as their song, as their sound evolved, you know, I remember their style evolving too. And yeah, and uh, to me, it's just interesting to hear that process about you know yeah, how do you do it this? was and a then, process, and I think it's a, a part of it is having bigger budgets. There was one uh, video that. Sue's mom produced or directed the video. Um, do you know the song? Uh, she knew what she wants. I worked on that and I thought that was it was uh that was a lot of fun you know I think as budgets and success started happening then uh the style got more amped up and they had you know the hair and the makeup artists and everything else you know but like I said my favorite thing was uh Hazy Shade of Winter. So that's one of Soraya's favorites. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great yeah. song, but the video is also really good. So Sue is wearing an Azadine Alaya dress. She said she still has it. Uh, and I love it. It's just this, I had to really talk her into it, I remember, because it was pretty pricey. And I, I think they were like buying their own clothes. Some stuff we borrowed. The thing that Vicky wore, we borrowed. It was chain mail. She loved it. She kind of looked like, um, what do you want to say? Uh, like Barbarella or something, mm, you know? And then she wore, we did the first like over the knee stockings. Mm -hmm. Then people kind of copied us. <laughs> I think Tony designed those. And um, and I had, Vicky, uh, uh, not Vicky, I had Debbie in a, just a jean jacket, which I really loved. And I, I thought that looked great on her. And um, don't remember what Mickey wore, not remembering what Mickey wore, but like I said, a lot of times she just had me approve stuff that she had. I don't remember if I bought anything special for her for that, but Definitely Vicky's outfit, Sue and Debbie. And I thought they looked, I thought they looked the most cohesive. Mm -hmm. I loved it, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's that definite, their spirit, their, you know, the essence of who they are is definitely shown in the choices, you know? Yeah. So I had to really walk that line of uh, 
bringing out each one of them, but making it cohesive. Yeah. That's the challenge. Yeah. I could see how that, yeah. That's the challenge. You don't want yeah. four totally separate individuals in that situation, right? When you're trying yeah. to bring it together as a band, right? And show that. Yeah, and then of course, you know, I was, you know, wardrobe stylist today, it's a whole other subject, right? Like what people do today. Yeah. You know, it's it's such a different thing. Um, and there, I, it's funny, I just saw like a photo shoot that my friend Brad Alterman did with Miley Cyrus. And I was like, hmm, I did that for Linda Ronstadt. Like, can they get close? Like she's wearing like a vintage critalid, you know, I thought hearkening back to the early eighties. That's hilarious. It all comes around. Yeah. I was going to say it's cyclical, right? Right. Yeah. So how did you get involved in fashion in the first place? How did straight jacket start up you and with you and Tony, right? Yeah. So first, well, backstage pass started and we could talk about oh. that. Um, okay. And then after backstage pass, well, I had met Tony and Tony lived up the street for the whiskey, a go-go. And God, I was so um, just so enamored with her, just the way she looked. She was so beautiful and so rock and roll and uh, so cool looking. And uh, she did these incredible, like she would um, do drawings of, of different people and bands. And then what she would do to get work was go to their sound check. And I was so enamored, you know, and I, I was like, I want to do that. And then uh, I had this opportunity to work at Straight Jacket. These other people owned it and then we bought it. So it was uh, okay. Jake Riviera was my silent partner. And then they lived in England. So I would go to England and visit Tony a lot, but then when Jake and Tony divorced, Tony came to live in LA and she uh, worked with me at Straight Jacket. So um, yeah, we have, I have some incredible drawings that she did of Susanna, of uh, all the girls. And then we had an autograph book so like the cramps would come in, the plimsolls. Um, uh, X, um, right? X-Scene? X, um, uh, the psychedelic furs. Uh, but uh, uh, what was it? The Australian band. Um, Hoodoo Gurus? Well, they came on tour with the Bengals because Mickey was going out with one of them. Right. Yeah, right. no, it was uh, Split Ends. Oh, wow. Yeah. So was the shop um, off of Melrose? Where was no, it located? No, we were before Melrose. It was on 3rd Street. We were, we had, our store started before Melrose. Okay. I think we originally may have started in end of 78. Okay. And then when did it close? 80 at the end of 82. Okay. And then I was freaking out. Having like, what are these like 
20 something young 20 what was I 23 like panic attacks like I didn't even know what they were you know and uh then I met Linda at a Tom Petty show in 1983 because Nick Lowe was opening and I had tickets and um we were friends with Danny Farrington who made guitars I actually saw one of her his guitars on Susanna Hoffs I was like so funny, but he he did all the pearl inlay for Elvis Costello and Dick Lowe and made <laughs> guitars for Squeeze and so yeah. Curious. So and I was, uh, you know, I guess I was very involved with Elvis Costello, Nick Lowe, Squeeze, all of that. So anyway, Danny introduced me to Linda, but I remember seeing Linda at Hollywood High at the Elvis Costello show, yeah, because mm -hmm. she was doing some of his songs party girl, that kind of right. thing. Actually, I did a big mitzvah between Elvis and Linda, but they both don't totally know it. I don't know. No, actually I saw Elvis, not this summer, but the summer before. And mm -hmm. I had seen Linda and Linda had said, uh, I said, you know, I stuck up for you. Uh, uh, it was like, it was a long time ago and Elvis was like, eh, Linda Ronstadt covered my songs, uh, you know? And I was like, why don't you give her the money back? And he was like, you know, and everyone was staring like T-Bone, Renette and everybody, you know, was like, how could you talk to Elvis that way? I'm like, I've known him since I was 18. Of course I could talk to him that way. We opened for him at the whiskey. I've known him since I was 18. <laughs> I said to Linda, you know, I stuck up for you. And she said, he apologized, Jenny. And I, it was like, I guess he apologized on stage once to Linda. And then I saw him and I said, Linda knows that you apologize. He was like, what? And then he wrote this big article about how he, and he said, I was just a punk. I was just a punk. I go, I know we all were, I know, you know, <laughs> and he wrote this big article and then uh, Peter Asher said, I don't know why he thought he had to apologize again, <laughs> but it was because of me. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. Elvis is one of Soraya's favorite, right? Oh my gosh. He's yes. <laughs> so this story just warms my heart. And I had heard, well, when I, when we opened for him at the whiskey, that was November, 1977, it was a whole weekend. And so we would open and then I came off stage. He was like, you play a really good guitar. And I was like, and he was like, do you want to like, he goes, I hate trees. And I'm like, yeah, me too. <laughs> and then he was like, do you want to go kill somebody? And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. Why not? What? Of course, whatever you say. I just love this 18 year old, 18 year old going, yeah, yeah let's go. Let's do it, man. Whatever you say. So, um, but I was a huge fan of their music and very involved with them. And then also uh, Jake managed Nick Lowe and Tony, she made the Riddler suit for Nick Lowe. And there were very, we were very involved with, of course, Carlene Carter, we, she was on our show. Yes. Tony made her a Riddler skirt that she, and then she stole Nick's jacket and wore the jacket. <laughs> and I got to style Carlene uh, for her, for Cruel to be Kind. It was her, re their real wedding. And I did her wedding dress. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, that was amazing. And um, and then I was very involved with Squeeze. <laughs> uh, Glenn was one of my loves. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, Glenn Tilburg. I I think I still love him. Uh, <laughs> I love hearing this. I'm like, tell me more. Tell I saw him also the summer be uh, when X opened up for Squeeze. I I saw saw them. And it was amazing. And I had this incredible squeeze t-shirt and they signed it. Uh, yeah. And then I had, Tony made me this really cool Dave Vanian on the cover of Slash because I was in that Slash magazine as well. Uh, uh, and the issue one and Dave signed that. <laughs> so I saw all these bands before the dread, the dreaded COVID. Mm. took it all away the last show i went to was wild honey it was the um the uh john sebastian i was show. there yeah the living spoonful you were there too it was a fantastic show it was yeah, yeah. so can we talk about Please. backstage pass yeah. the band the band so it was an all-girl punk band right pretty much um i like I have been playing guitar since I was eight and I got turned on to rock and roll from different babysitters. I, um, I first remember dancing to Chubby Checker and my parents kept saying, do it again, do it again, like the twist, really young. And then I had a babysitter named Jill who had a beehive hairdo and she turned me on to Elvis Presley. And I, and I have this scrapbook, I still have it. And it's red and she wrote in gold glitter, Elvis. And then I used to write on my sheets, I was five. Elvis is the king of bra oak and roll. And my mom was like, oh my God, you're writing on your sheets. And then she's like cutting them out for me so I could put them in my scrapbook. And then I would take uh -huh. singles and cut them up and put them in my scrapbook. And then the last thing that I had was um, an article that Hedda Hopper wrote called uh, Elvis is turning 30, like Peter Pan turns 30. That was my last entry. And then I saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. My parents woke us up so we could watch the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. And so then I wrote a letter to Elvis and said, I think you should like shave off your side. I was already like a stylist. You should shave off your <laughs> like six, five or six, shave off your sideburns and like cut your hair different. <laughs> and uh, I was already a stylist back then. And uh, I remember I used to wear these petticoats. Like I was a little girl, like five, because I thought they looked like really incredible. And um, so I was already like already on it back then. So um I started playing guitar like at eight. My, then I had this baby. Oh, we met Elvis also. I met Elvis. Yeah, because uh, our babysitter wrote, we moved and then our babysitter uh, wrote us and said, oh, Elvis is living in Bel Air. And she like sent my dad like a map and he took us there. We knocked on the door and then um, someone said, oh, Elvis is in the bathroom. And then uh, he came out and he went, Howdy, folks. And um, <laughs> so, wow. uh, and then I had this like 
Polaroid of him, but I don't know where it is. And he was autographing. Yeah. So then when we moved, I had this babysitter named Cookie and she was in like a folk band and she used to play it like, she used to go to like Pandora's box on the strip and she told me about the birds and about the Beach Boys and everything. And she drew and she rode horses and she played guitar. So I, I learned how, I worshiped her and I learned how to play guitar. And um, then um, funny story, then I have, we had a friend of the family who was an incredible musician and he's, I, I just had a reunion with him also named David Elson. He was this incredible bluegrass player. He was supposed to be in Linda Ronstadt's band, but he wow. turned it down because he wanted to finish his degree at USC as a mathematician. And he he's incredible player. Linda wants to meet him actually. <laughs> so then um, in high school, I well, I started playing electric guitar and I went to Grant High School and I, most of the people I went to school with, it was a lot of very patriarchal kind of bands, guys and bands, Toto, that kind mm -hmm. of thing. They were like, yeah, it's cool if you play like Cat Stevens on acoustic or whatever. And I was like, no. And, um, <laughs> but uh, it was tough, you know? And it's actually a really similar story to like Joan Jett. It was like, I just didn't get the support, but um, my mother was, get, was sick since I was probably 15 and a half. She had breast cancer and my, my cousin took me to my very first concert, which was the Kinks in 1973. And I met, I, okay, it was at the Palladium and I fainted, but before I fainted, I met all these people from Fairfax High and they're still my friends today. And they were some of my first boyfriends and it was Marvin Etzioni and my friend, Larry Jacobson and my friend, Anne and just all these people and they're, st they're still my friends. And that's where I got the most support. When my mom died, I started, I don't know, I started running away to Hollywood. Sometimes I would like, like sneak in my, like stay home from school. And then my mom would find me and she'd go, what are you doing here? I was like, I just wanted to be with you. She's like, oh, go get your guitar and play for me, you know? Aww. So, uh, and I started running away to Hollywood and then my mom died, I was 17. And yeah, in high school, there was a couple cool people. Like I met Kevin Dubrow, but he was, um, he was the first guy I ever kissed. And uh -huh. uh, Randy Rhodes bought a pair of shoes from me because he was so tiny, he bought a platform, sort of like the ones Prince was wearing. I swear to God, these beige platform wow. shoes that were kind of very unisex looking. But yeah, I would see Kevin at the rainbow and stuff like that. But I would run away with um, my friend Robin. And I remember Mario, who ran the whiskey, he would call me Robin because it's just because we both kind of looked alike. I don't know. And I would just go to a lot of shows. And also me and Marvin, I auditioned for the Runaways. 
And then Kim Fowler told me that I was like too fat or something. <laughs> Plus oh, no. I wasn't really a lead guitarist. Mm. And um, I think I also auditioned for Venus and the Razor Blades. It was, anyway, and um, I met my band. I went, to, I, I went on a fluke to see, to the Starwood and Dr. Feelgood was playing. And I was like, oh my God, this band is so incredible. I was like, I either wanna like play like Wilco Johnson or marry him, one or the <laughs> other, I don't care which. And that's when I met also my band, but I also met Jake Riviera, who was Andrew Jakeman at the time, and he was their road manager. And I remember um, it was close to the bicentennial. He was wearing like a bicentennial tie and like grinning at me. And I was like, I like the guitar player. Like, I don't know why you're <laughs> grinning at me, you know? <laughs> and um, so, uh, but just meeting them, it was like, they had that 60s look and just the attitude. It was like pre-punk and it was, I was just like blown away, you know, blown away. And I, and then Marina, who was the one who came up with the idea for Backstage Pass, she uh, had seen like the cherry bomb version of the Runaways. And she was like, God, it was like so Svengali that she just wanted to do something different. And she had been, she was taking piano lessons from Randy Rhodes' mom. She was a piano teacher in the Valley. So wow. weird. And she turned to Rodney Bingheimer at the, the Rainbow and said, I'm starting a band and it's called Backstage Pass. Like she just made it up at the spot. And then Joanna uh, Dean, who's Spock, who managed Red Cross and lived with Vicky and Mickey. Um, she uh, said, yeah, if I could learn bass, I'll join. So she did and she joined. And then we used to write a lot of songs together, me and Spock did. And we're still all in touch. And then Backstage Pass, we started getting pressed like right away. We were vicious. We were like, we were like really like on it, you know? And for one thing, Marina was like a journalist, so she had to play double duty, like with her, like they didn't really like that she was in a, this band called Backstage Pass. She worked for Teen Magazine. So she had to play double duty. And then we all had punk names. So she was Marina Del Rey. I was I became Jenny Body. I think uh, I had met Xene from Tony. They had some kind of Florida connection. And then also, I don't know if you know who Faye Hart was and we called her Farrah Bucket Minor. Oh. But she gave, I think she gave me the name Jenny Buddy. And then she named Jenny Lenz, Jenny Lenz, who was Jenny Stern. And so I, so Farrah was best friend, or Faye was best friends with Xene. I used to go dancing with them at the Rainbow, like before X just to be weird, just for something to do on an off night. Sounds like and fun. I think Faye at that, not Faye, um, Exene had met John Doe already. They were in that writing 
workshop together, but they hadn't started X yet. And then Jake was starting Stiff Records and he made us answer our phone. We had this place called Courtney Crash Pad. It, like, it was like up the street from Island Records and uh, we would like have to answer like Stiff Records. Um, and he managed Nick Lowe, Elvis, well, Stiff Records and The Damned. Oh. And The Damned was on a television tour and they got kicked off for upstaging television. And so wow. quickly Jake got them the Starwood gig and Brian James stayed, like I hooked up with him and he stayed with me and Jake stayed with us. And um, Rat stayed with Spock at McCadden Place. And uh, Holly Vincent was in our band and Holly lived in on McCadden Place. And um, and then the rest of them stayed at the Wilton Hilton with the Screamers. And then we were all in the first issue of Slash Magazine. So, and then the dam made us do a show. They were like, get out of the rehearsal space and do a show. And we're like, okay, okay, you know? And so I think our first show was maybe at the Columbia lot or something, I forget. Spock knows. And then um, we uh, did a couple shows. We did a show with Quiet Riot <laughs> at a hotel called something like the Roman Inn. Okay. And um, was Randy in the band at that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, yeah. And we uh, then we opened for Elvis Costello at the Whiskey because you know it was Jake's choice and he didn't uh, you know you didn't want bands to upstage other bands so he said that yeah you could open <laughs> it was really punk rock. <laughs> the other thing that really blew my mind when I met Jake was I saw him like kicking in the car with his like Winkle Picker boots like of a rent a car and then he got banned from that like rental car place like forever till this day wow <laughs> and I was like I've never seen anyone do that before you know <laughs> so we played um we helped start the mask uh Brendan Mullen who who first inhabited you know that space was Scottish so Marina had a bank account <laughs> and she helped, she had to sign the lease, co-sign the lease for the mask. And then we helped build like the first rehearsal spaces at the mask with the uh, skulls and the controllers. And then the first show, I think they broke into our rehearsal space and took our PA. And that was like the first show at the mask. So um, uh, we, we played a lot. Um, we opened for like Devo, I think at the Starwood. Uh, I think we also went with them to San Francisco and also the Mumps. Oh. We played at the Mabuhe Gardens. We played with the nuns. I really loved Jennifer Moreau. 
Did you guys actually re- do any recording? We did a demo. Okay. And uh, we were on a compilation Saturday Night Pogo. Yes. With the weirdos and the Dills, who I loved. at the whiskey the starwood yeah lots of places then i had straight jacket and then for a brief period of time i was in the screaming sirens with pleasant Mm -hmm. gaiman burr dixon uh diane lafoon or boom boom dixon yeah and we opened up for nick lowe at the palace (laughs) wow yeah and then now coming full circle, you and Marina are hosts on this podcast now, right? Yeah, Marina's not on season two because she's went into this whole other career. But um, we just, we, yeah, since we reformed in 2018 and played Radio Free Hollywood show at the bootleg. That was amazing. And I remember my kids saying to me like, mom, you never have to do this again. Cause I was so nervous. And then I was like, okay, what afterwards I was like, what are we doing this again? <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, and so was Gwen Khan yeah. part of the band at that point? Yeah, she is part of the band. Yeah. Yeah. Although we haven't done anything. And Gwen was on one of our podcasts. Uh, we started off our season with Susie Quattro and ended with Susanna Hoffs and Linda Ronstadt. And then we've had a lot of different people in between. It's all really um, female-driven music. Uh, we had Alice Bag, who we is incredible. Okay. And uh, Kim McAuliffe from Girls' School. And uh, Girls' School was a heavy metal band, all-girl heavy metal band. And uh, during the punk, the start of the punk era, which was really interesting. And we also realized that some of us dated some of the same people. (laughs) (laughs) And then we had uh, June Millington from Fanny. Amazing episode. I love that one. Thank you. And yeah, and uh, West Beach. Cosmetics. Who's going to be on uh, season two we have a surprise with that and um we had kathy valentine we had um the uh allison wolf from bratmobile and i love bratmobile and uh carly carter who you know of course tony styled and i styled tony did musical shapes with barney bubbles and uh styled a lot of her clothes 
and uh, and Tony did a lot of graphics with Barney Bubbles in England, which is really interesting. You know, some Nick cool Nick Lowe, Nick Lowe covers, uh, Sigmo covers, different things. And uh, then she did incredible straight jacket ads for straight jacket that there could be just a whole book on her straight jacket ads, you know? And uh, yeah, so. How did the podcast get started? It got started with Elizabeth Galdamas from Here She Roars blog. Okay. Uh, and she, I think she put a, a little post on, uh, there's this, uh, the original, uh, original punk, original punk women or something like that. I forget what the name of the Facebook page okay. is. Uh, it's a great, it's actually a great Facebook page. Uh, and I answered it and she had some people lined up and nobody showed up to our first meeting. And then I just plugged like Gwen and uh, Jesse, who's our lead guitarist in the reformed band and Marina. And, uh, and then we did it with all of us, Elizabeth uh, and the, these two, these twins from Detroit, one who owns a record label called Sangreal Records, and then her twin who kind of, people just kind of dropped out. And then there was just this core group, which was uh, Elizabeth, me, Marina, Jesse, and um, uh, Alejandra Viegas from Detroit. And uh, so, that became our core group. And then uh, Marina's not on season two. So it's the four of us. Can you tell our listeners what we can expect from season two from the podcast? Is there anything that you can share without getting in trouble from the- You know, one thing that uh, Elizabeth, we're actually filming everything and I think we're putting everything up at once. Oh. Uh, which is kind of, so I think it's all going up in March pretty much. Okay. So. We have, um, we Sorry, just don't get did... any ideas. We're not doing this. We're not doing this. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, I was like, oh my goodness. Are we, is that how we're really doing it? But that's what Elizabeth wants to do. So it's Great okay. Idea. And um, so we are uh, filming a bunch of episodes in January and February. And okay. we have, I think Vicki and Debbie are coming on. I think you've had them on, yes? Debbie. Debbie. Oh, Debbie, yeah. okay. So I think we're having them both on. We have a special plasmatics episode. We have, um, yeah, there's a bunch of surprises. Uh, yes. Nancy Burrill, who just wrote a punk book. She's coming on with Jack Grisham from TSOL. Uh, we had this incredible woman, Vivian Goldman, who's had this lengthy, musical uh, career in the music business and also a musical artist. And she wrote a book called um, Revenge of the Sheep Punks from Polystyrene to Pussy Riot. Nice. Do you have it? <laughs> no, no. No, but I'm writing it down. Okay. <laughs> and she worked with Bob Marley in the early days. 
She's, wow. uh, she lived with, oh, I said, you live with Chrissy Hyde, but Chrissy Hyde, I think crashed a lot with her. And yeah. I said, I have a funny Chrissy Hyde story because uh, Chrissy showed up at uh, when I was uh, visiting Tony and Jake in England. They lived in uh, Shepherd's Bush and she knocked on the door while we were listening, me and Tony were listening to the, the Pretenders record, the first one. Uh, how funny. We're so embarrassed. Perfect, perfect yeah. timing or not, right? Happened. Vivian <laughs> reckons that Chrissy would have loved it. So, uh -huh. you know, Nick had uh, produced some of the early stuff that the Pretenders did. That's right. And then on the Brass and Pocket video, uh, they borrowed Jake's, uh, like, I think it was a 59 Cadillac or something. Oh. Yeah. yeah, so there was a lot of, you know, and people used to go visit each other, you know? Oh, I, I remember those that days. A lot when I, yeah, I experienced that a lot in New York, you know? Yeah, also. I don't know if it's the colder climates, I'm not sure. Yeah, times have changed, right? Yeah, times have changed a lot. We're approaching up on an hour, Jenny. And before we let you go, I did want to talk about that your legacy doesn't end with you because now you have an offspring that- Eden. Eden's a guitar player and a songwriter. Uh, Eden has been playing for also a, a long time, is now 23 and uh, was in a, a really great band called The Lovins. Uh, and- then has been in a couple other bands, the 10th band and a band called The Good Billionaires, I believe. And um, uh, right now it's difficult. I feel so bad, you know, because it's like, there's no really playing or rehearsing. Also, uh, Eden is part of a space called Junior High LA, which uh, is, uh, had to close during COVID, but is going to reopen. And that's an art space, a retail space, and then bands do play there. Mm -hmm. So they're looking to be, they're looking for uh, eventually opening up when it's safe to do so. And the Lovins have some great videos on YouTube. Yes. They're, and um, I want to know who their stylist is, because whoever they're, themselves yeah so i think you passed along that stylist gene <laughs> there's yeah Well, I love buying clothes for Eden, but Eden's pretty self-sufficient. And uh, 
Uh, Ariella Barrer is, they're, they're both just stunning looking people. And uh, uh, they were a three piece. They used to rehearse in my garage and um, I still love their songs and love that band. And, um, and then I used to, you know, I've seen the, I've been to their shows. I, seen the 10th band um, and uh, they had a great style also. And Eden's guitar playing in the 10th is just off the chain, you know? You drive me crazy. I drive Miss Daisy. Before I take you anywhere, if I could get your smell out of my hair. You bum me out. has this giant pedal board. <laughs> Eden, Eden's a really great guitar player. Yeah. Um, you, you seem like a yeah. proud mama bear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Eden's a very independent person and uh, but great, great musician and songwriter, singer songwriter. So uh, hope that things open up 
things get better and we'll hear a lot more from, from Eden. <laughs> and who knows, who knows about backstage pass? <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully we'll be hearing more from you all. Too. Yeah, we had shows that we had to cancel, but um, yeah, we'll see what happens in the future. You know, I just miss going to shows as I'm sure you do. Yeah. Uh, what was your last show that you went to? I think Dream Syndicate for me. Yeah, they were good friends of mine. Soraya, do you Spock remember was that? very involved with them. How about you, I'm Soraya? Guessing, I'm guessing the last one was uh, the Wild Honey yeah. fundraiser. Because I saw I saw Dream Syndicate and yeah, I think Wild Honey was the very last one. Three o'clock and um, uh. Also, you know, uh, I'm sure you both know Gary Stewart who passed away and the quick were very good friends of mine uh, growing up and, uh, and seeing them play was just, you know, I think Gary would have been so happy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, and I also, uh, went to an event that they did. Uh, I, I think they had a, a, a cassette or a CD out or something. Oh, yes, uh, right. Quick. Yeah. We were there. It was it? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We were there. Yeah. We were there. Yeah. yeah. I was, was like, Danny, oh my God, Ian. Like, it was like, what? You know? <laughs> so amazing. Yeah, that was a fun so night. Amazing. Jenny, thank you so much for joining us. And I got to say, whenever you want to, please come back and tell us more stories because you have a memory I cannot, I can't, I just can't grasp right now. You have this amazing memory and it seems like all these really series of kismet meetings. A lot of, yeah. Your life. It's just yeah. Amazing. And you know what I, I, Marita said to me, she goes, I don't remember like you doing this or that. I said, I was too young to drink when you met me. I was, I didn't do any of that stuff. Maybe that's why I have that memory, you know, because I was, I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't drinking yet. I had to get my hand stamped, you know? Well, I don't know. We're here for all the artists in you and all the creative output so I, I mean it's been a real joy thank and it's you. been fun listening to this living history thank you so much and, and please uh to all your listeners uh go on metal priestesses podcast subscribe and listen and have fun and um yeah uh, there's some i think really fun episodes on there so i hope um, your listeners yeah. will hop on yeah and you can binge an entire season yes yeah. season two what so, <laughs> we're gonna share we're gonna share on our page a link to metal priestesses thank you that, you know and then uh, jeff you teach me how to do it and i'll do it for you <laughs> all right fabulous we'll keep talking. we'll keep talking thank you so much jenny bye thank you bye-bye thank you soraya I, if I can only remember what I did yesterday, let alone what I did in the year of Bicentennial. <laughs> if I can remember what I did about two months ago. Right. 
I mean, it's amazing. And I love just her, her stream of consciousness, just like, oh, you know, and then this person and this person, and I saw these people and I'm like, <laughs> and I can only imagine, you know, the hundreds, thousands of people that she's encountered, worked with, you know, you name it throughout her life. I mean, Jeff, I've been teaching for over 24 years. And uh, the next semester, I have a hard time remembering people's names. Like in the moment I'm there, but you know, about 10 years later, I'm like, who, who was it? Yeah. Wow. That's hilarious. It, it, I just loved hearing her stories. And I think it's really interesting um, seeing someone who's worked through so many different um, creative arenas, you know, styling, playing, you know, being just a music fan and then now podcasting and, you know, and going back to the drawing board with the band and, you know, and then just, the, I, I just want you to think about that. I found it's, but it's so, it makes sense in the way that she was describing Backstage Pass. Someone turns to Rodney Bingenheimer and says, hey, I got a band, band, on the fly okay no members no nothing but yeah i got a bad backstage pass not only that they start getting gigs not only that the dam says hey, you guys gotta play a show you gotta stop all this rehearsing business and then they do it at the columbia lot <laughs> i'm like okay man if you're gonna ball out you're gonna ball out and opening for elvis costello and demos only so there, there was a solid product there. That's the part that really impresses me. There was a solid product. People heard it, boom. Okay, oh, uh, open for Elvis Costello, you know, Nicola, la, 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 la. What? Yeah, yeah. And she styled for one of the most badass ladies in music. Not just the Bengals, Linda Ronstadt. Don't come at me, people, about Linda Ronstadt. We can have a discussion. But she is one of the badass ladies of music. Agreed. And uh, I thought that was pretty cool. That's a, yeah. I don't know. Jenny has just, you know, taken my words away today. Pretty yeah. amazing. I knew she would have plenty of stories to share with us. So, And I definitely recommend their podcast, Metal Priestess's podcast. Um, they have a different team of... Um, of co-hosts on there but a, a core as she mentioned and they're always really good i really liked that the episode there i've really enjoyed all of them but the episode um with fanny was um uh, was really good so um, yeah and if uh people aren't familiar with fanny's work please go amazing they were an important band um at the time that they came on the scene they were an important band and the music's really good okay yeah. but how can you not love a podcast that starts with Susie Quattro and ends with Susanna Hoffs and Linda Ronstadt yeah yeah sorry that's pretty badass if you ask yeah even the people that I'm not familiar with it's fun to hear them and they do for having as many co-hosts as they do sometimes four sometimes five somehow they wrangle it in I have a hard time not over talking you or over talking myself somehow with 
a group of five co-hosts, four or five co-hosts, they they do a very good job of keeping order. <laughs> That's pretty fantastic. Yeah. And so. I love knowing that, you know, one of her one of you know her her children yeah. is also a musician. Yeah. You know, I I really like seeing that sort of creative artistic continuity. Yeah. Eden's work is pretty cool. So yeah, the Lovins have some really fun videos, very vibrant videos, um, very catchy songs, but yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Well, so. um, like, uh, like I mentioned, we'll add a link on our, on our pages, the social media pages. Uh, so you can go check out the podcast for yourself. And, you know, the fact that they're giving us season two all in one binge worthy, you know, <laughs> uh, nugget. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, we're not uh, doing that. No, I, I don't think we can do. <laughs> I don't think we can replicate that. But no, no, no. You know, but I, I find that pretty cool that they are. It, yeah, very much. Oh, so. yeah. I, I, I learned a lot. I me learned too. a lot. Did you? Yes, I, I'm. It's gonna take me a while to process some of this. So I think that somebody, an author, needs to sit down with Jenny, wrangle all this in, organize it, and this needs to be at least. A, at least a book if not a two three volume set <laughs> but wrangle in some of these i'm telling you we, but see like i i think back to okay so lena litanwa lena no has so many stories too and you know there's many books multi-volume books jenny i mean we've talked to a lot of people who've who really had their really were in the la music scene and have so much so many stories to share yeah somebody needs to just sit them down put a recorder there boom and then just start transcribing done yep yep absolutely oh my god well, this speaking is really of cool. books our next episode might be the author of this book um we'll see we've got uh, a show lined up this or uh, a call lined up with mr clive jones from the uk okay. Um, this and book the book is tell me when it's over notes from the paisley underground yeah so i've got some thoughts about this book both good and bad and we'll i think we that. both have thoughts about this book too yeah but um but what's really cool is just to have a dialogue about it and something you and i have uh, witnessed ourselves is how people define the paisley underground changes when you move geographically yep and so, that'll be something that we may be talking to if not next week the following week after here shortly well we hope you enjoyed it i enjoyed it so gente agrubiar groove on paisley people <laughs>